Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to look at ways you can improve your sex life. And if you don't have a sex life, we're going to discuss the top five movie franchises so at least you have something to watch when you're all alone. I first was sort of an erotic writer and blogger and researcher. Started a business in Hong Kong where I sold sex toys, learning from a range of sex experts from Tantra to bondage masters to sexological body workers. Except for the strap one, I remember um, that he wanted me to use, looked like this medieval chastity contraption, is all I can say. It, it just, it was metal. Stay curious and to just realize that sometimes doing things outside your comfort zone is where you make the biggest discoveries. Not thinking that all the piss was going to come right back into the car and it basically gave myself and my my wife a golden shower. Nick, I think you're forgetting the title of the podcast. It's supposed to be an intellectual discussion about life's real issues and how they affect us on a day-to-day basis, such as, is sour cream better than mayonnaise? Robot sex? Everybody yeah. in the future, we're, we're 10 years away from nonstop robot sex. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. I want to meet the person who can honestly say to themselves, I don't want to be better in bed. I don't want to have a better sex life. I think that just about everybody would like that, no matter who you are. Our first guest can tell you all about different ways that you can have better sex. She's been all over the world, learned from all these different kinds of sex education masters, everything from tantric to bondage to all kinds of stuff I've never even really heard of. This is Sarah Tang. How did you become... A sex educator. You know, I never actually thought this would ever be a career of mine, to be honest. When I was growing up in Singapore, there weren't really any sex educators, um, so I never really had any role models. If anything, I grew up with a very religious and conservative background um, in Singapore with very poor sex education and a healthy helping of shame and guilt, uh, as I like to say. So I actually only realized that human sexuality could be an academic subject when I first went to university in California. And after that, that sort of inspired my interest in human sexuality. And then I had a a real journey over the past decade or so, like dipping in and out of 
um, exploring different parts of human sexuality. So I first was sort of an erotic writer and blogger and researcher. I then started a business. Um, I, I currently live in Hong Kong, by the way, I should say. Um, I started a business in Hong Kong where I sold sex toys uh, for a number of years to women. And then I also just did a lot of my own learning where I just traveled the world um, learning from a range of sex experts from Tantra to bondage masters to sexological body workers and so on. And it's actually only been in the past two years that I've done a sex coaching certificate that's pulled everything together. Did you feel repressed growing up? I mean, do you think that that kind of triggered some of it? Yeah, uh, it definitely inspired me. The whole reason why I started my platform Sarah's sense was because I was a product of a very terrible sex education. In fact, I call my sex education a fear-based reproductive education um, because it was all about all the bad things that could happen to you <laughs> when you had sex. So um, here are all the STIs that could happen. You could, you know, have to have, you, you might have to have an abortion um, and so on. And so as a product of that, you know, I actually, when I was growing up, it made I think it led me to a whole bunch of what I call like bad decision making, you know, having sex without protection, you know, for in my early years, all of that. So really what I wanted to do was to create something to change that, um, to give people the resources to have the most satisfying sex life that they could um, and be that coaching or education I really wanted to start conversations on sexual topics that are traditionally considered taboo. Do you feel like that, living all over the world, do you feel like that has gotten better? Or do you feel like there's some places where it's really like you don't have sex unless you're married and then the only reason you do it is to have a child and then you don't? Well, I think in, in some ways it's gotten better because I think with... Um, the with internet, right? You have access to so many resources right now. Um, and if you wanted to find sex education resources, it's much easier um, than it was before, than when I was growing up, for example. However, I feel in some ways that's also harder because with the internet, you just have this influx of resources and sometimes you don't really know what is a good resource and what isn't. So you just have a, just a proliferation of information. And of course, one of the main trends is, is porn, right? So a lot of people these days are looking at porn as education when it's not. Do you feel like, you know, that that creates a misconception in people's minds? Yes, I do. Um, I really think that porn has its place. So I'm definitely not anti-porn. If, if anything, I'm very pro-fantasy and I am pro-masturbation, all of that. But I think porn is entertainment. It's not education. So it exists currently to fill the vacuum that is education. And uh, I'm not sure that people can really tell the difference sometimes. I think there are a lot of stereotypes that 
when it comes to porn that can be quite dangerous. So, for example, the stereotype that this gendered stereotype, because a lot of mainstream porn is done to be, you know, consumed by.、Um, It's it's directed by the male gaze, rather. Let, let's just put it that way. Yeah. And so you've got this sort of stereotypical portrayal of what's considered sexy. So you've got the big boobs, the you know fake eyelashes, the big bum, and then you've got this sort of very skewed narrative with the dominant male and the very willing subservient female who's always、um, up for it. The penises are always big.、Um, The females are always wet. Somehow they magically have orgasms、um, when there's absolutely no、um, stimulation of the clitoris. All of those things are sort of narratives that can, you know, skew your view of sex, and it also sets unrealistic expectations for people in the bedroom. When you look at it as a sex educator, like, what do you think that people are doing wrong? Well, what they are doing wrong, I think. Sounds like a lot of things. Yeah, I mean there there are quite a lot of things.、Um, I think let's maybe start at that topic of porn、um, because there is this sort of one dimensional view of sex that porn perpetuates a lot of the time,、um, and I feel like that is this idea that sex is. Very goal oriented and genitally focused. So goal oriented means that、um, it's only a successful or meaningful sexual encounter if if I have an orgasm or if somebody has an orgasm.、Um, and it's also very genitally focused. It's all you know. Most of the time, especially with heterosexual porn, it involves some kind of penetration.、Um, And I think this is quite one-dimensional. So it excludes the breadth of different sexual expressions. And when we think about when we have this definition of sex that is goal-oriented and genitally focused,、um, what happens is that when things go wrong. So when you know maybe it's when maybe we're、um, not having an orgasm for some reason, or maybe、um, you know the erections aren't. Lasting for twenty minutes, like we've seen on the video, or maybe for women, we're not lubricating as easily、um, when there's pain involved with sex. Then all of those things, it it really creates sort of anxiety in people because they're like, wait, so now I'm not really having sex, you know, properly or in normal way.、Um, And I think actually it comes down to the fact that our definition of sex is fundamentally flawed. It is—it's a little too narrow. Yeah, I feel like you know, like you're talking about that sex in porn is not nearly as awkward as sex in real life. You know, I mean, it, there's there's certainly、yeah. some awkwardness that just goes along with it. Like it's not just yeah, everything doesn't work that well. You know? No, no, no. And actually, that's to be embraced. If anything, that's the the awkwardness is just part of life. It's interesting、um, because I think men are particularly、um, concerned with performance. When I work with my male clients, they're always telling you know they're always asking me like, so what what can I do to improve my performance in the bedroom? And I'm like, well, let's step back a little bit and think about that and and. Ask yourself why? Why are you viewing sex as a performance necessarily? It's not like show and tell、yeah. necessarily. 
Yeah, it's more like a flow of pleasure, I feel. You know, my favorite definition of sex is um, it's an exchange of erotic energy. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to involve penetration or genitals necessarily. In fact, if you look at the breadth of sexual expression, if you look at how people who do BDSM have sex or how people with disabilities have sex, it's not necessarily all genital focused, right? And if anything, it's your brain that's the biggest sex organ. So it's all about activating that. And um, I think humans have this amazing capacity to imagine and fantasize and eroticize things because our brain is the biggest sex organ and I feel like when we create a broader definition of what sex actually is then it's much more inclusive and a lot a lot more people can feel that it's a much more meaningful and successful encounter you talk a little bit about fundamentals what are some of the fundamentals so when you look at the fundamentals of sex and the fundamentals of being better Uh What are they, essentially? Sure. The fundamentals, I think, are, um, are education, exploration, and communication. So if you really think about sex as something which is a skill, it's like a learned skill. So, you know, if you want to be a great lover, I have this quote, actually, on my Instagram, great lovers are made, they're not born. So this idea that you don't really just come out of the womb and become great in bed, right? So you actually learn these skills over time. It doesn't just happen. So if you think about sex as a skill, you break down um, the fundamental skills that you really need to have to in order to improve in sex. Then it comes down to education, exploration, communication. So I'll say a little bit about each of them, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So with education, I really think it is about um, having the tools to really reframe and challenge some of the myths that we have about sex. And because we, a lot of us, I don't think it's just me, but if I, I, I've met a lot of people around the world who say that their sex education is pretty limited. You don't really think about these myths that exist in popular culture and so on so for example that myth that we were talking about about sex only counts if there's penetration right that's the kind of a myth that's there and most people don't really sit down and challenge it or reframe it this other myth that is also very common is this idea that sex is natural and effortless all the time you see that in movies right and then, uh, boy meets girl, boy meets boy, girl meets girl, so on. And then suddenly, you know, it, they are in the bedroom and it's hot and heavy. They're having orgasms at the same time. Um, and it's pretty much spontaneous and natural and effortless. Um, but again, not everyone necessarily experiences sex this way. So it can lead to unrealistic expectations that can cause issues for us in the bedroom. So education, if anything, is just thinking about some of these myths and trying to reframe them around something that is based on knowledge, fact, and reality. 
Um, also, our sexuality is kind of always evolving, you know? Our bodies are always changing, and our knowledge about sexuality is always advancing. So I actually believe that education is not something that needs to only be done in, in school or by your parents. It's one of those things that's kind of an ongoing thing. You talked about exploration, too. What are some of the fundamentals of that? So the fundamentals of exploration is this idea of whether you can answer the question, who are you sexually? You know, it's it's often we learn and grow in any context by... Uh, Sorry, the biggest sort of learning and growth really happens when we put ourselves in different contexts, right? And with different people and doing things that are sometimes outside our comfort zone. So this idea of exploration also applies to sex. You know, in order to to explore um, your list of turn-ons, turn-offs, why we find something arousing, you know, what's unique to our eroticism, we need to also put ourselves in different contexts, you know, we need to experiment with different people, um, we need to do things that are sometimes outside our comfort zone, because there's a huge range of sexual expression out there, so it's really important that we kind of stay curious and not let shame get in the way of our sexual self-discovery what do you what would be your advice to somebody that let's say that maybe they want to do something that their partner isn't into or how, how, how does somebody go about that kind of an aspect or somebody that maybe they want to have more sex than their partner is is interested in those are actually very very common concerns so um the main thing and, and really the starting point is communication. I think you really need to talk to your partner firstly about why you want to try something and define very closely what the benefit would be for the both of you um, to try something new, especially if your partner's not really not really convinced and not really into it. I think it's something where, it, you know, you... Instead of just seeing sex as, oh, I want to do this, it's about me, it's my turn on, um, you know, view this conversation and apply it sort of a team approach to it to say, look, I really think it would be great if we explored this and what would you get out of it? So think about the conversation from that point of view as well. The other thing I, I actually also suggest sometimes is, and this is kind of like a tricky kind of like sneak attack way of seeing if your partner will be interested in trying something or exploring something with you, is to maybe put on like a podcast or send them an article about that thing that you want to try and say, hey, I guess what I read today, I read this, or I listened to this podcast on this, doesn't this sound kind of interesting to you? And kind of try to use that as a way to start a conversation without necessarily, again, making it about you. One of the things my wife and I have been married for almost five years, been together for around nine years, and we took some online quiz that was like a blind quiz where you each checked off oh. the things. And then it would tell you what each other is interested in. The, the, wow. That opened up new whole new worlds for the both of us. Isn't that 
Isn't that interesting? And can you imagine that without that quiz, you wouldn't have actually talked about it or known about it, even after nine years? N- neither of us would have ever talked to each other about it. And both of us had some things you're like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. I love that. So, so that's exactly what I recommend, you know, getting one of these like, quizzes or, or you know listening to a podcast even you know they even have like little games that help you discover um what you're into it, actually uh, on that point as well you know a lot of people aren't really they don't really know what they're into until they're in that situation so for the partner i would say who maybe initially is hesitant I would just encourage you to stay curious and to just realize that sometimes doing things outside your comfort zone is where you make the biggest discoveries. And if you didn't like it, you didn't like it. That's fine, right? It's not the end of the world. I feel like if a relationship is going to work, then it you can you can figure it out. Are are people more sexually open than they used to be like do you feel like sexuality is changing at all i think that people have always had um an interest in sex um and sexuality i think there are a lot of um trends i would say currently in society that are changing the debate and changing the conversation and as a result changing the way that we think um of our sexuality socially um and contextually so this idea that for example um the fact that the acceptance around LGBTQIA, all of that, these sort of breadth of sexual expressions is much more accepted these days than when I was growing up. I think when I was growing up, I, I didn't even know any gay people. Like, I mean, I'm sure they were there. I just didn't know about them because they weren't op- They weren't so open about it. You know, they, my friends... Um, wouldn't have felt comfortable necessarily just telling me about it. Whereas now, I, nowadays, um, the conversation and the around these kind of issues, I think there's obviously still so much more that can be done, but there is a greater acceptance that there is a breadth of sexual orientations out there and that they all are valid. Uh, the other sort of trend I see is this idea of the different kinds of relationships and relationship styles so this idea that monogamy isn't necessarily the only option for relationships that trend i feel is is emerging as well right now so people are having more conversations about ethical non-monogamy in whatever in whatever form that is whether that's polyamory you know whether that's uh, you know swinging or, or or so on I feel both ways about that in the sense that I think that it's good that people are much more open to explore and try new things with other people. But I also feel in the same time, and this is kind of getting around to my question, do you feel at all like with the kind of, you know, Tinder and Bubble and all these things where you can just move on to the next person? Is there any kind of downside to not really, you know, sticking it out and kind of being with that one person for a, for a good amount of time? Yes, I do think that there is in some ways a downside. Um, I, I mean, I may be skewed um, 
negatively towards apps, maybe because of my own personal experience. So this might be quite a biased opinion. But I, I believe that technology um, has made it so much easier to connect to connect with people, and in some ways it's made it so much easier to disconnect with people as well, right? So if you think about Tinder, it's exactly that. While you have that breadth, maybe you don't have the depth that necessarily comes with a smaller number of people. When you're talking with some of your clients, is there one issue that they seem to have more than any others? Well, it really depends. I, I mean, I see so many different clients, but I could break it down um, in terms of women, men, and couples. So, the for women, the main the main concern or issue that I seem to get a lot of is um, regarding issues around desire and libido. I think it's because women's women's desire and female sexuality has for so long been kind of behind and kept in the dark ages and we haven't really understood a lot about it. So culturally, you know, we don't really um we don't really think about it because female sexuality has always been this idea where, you know, you're always meant to be virginal and, you know, keep to, it's, uh, you know, it's slutty and to be, um, if you really embrace it and you, you sleep around a lot. So there's that negative connotation, but also this idea that we haven't really understood a lot about female sexuality scientifically for a really long time. So a lot of women are frustrated by that. And also women go through a lot of changes through their lives in terms of physically if they're going through, you know, um, pregnancy, uh, menopause, these kind of changes really mess with your hormone levels and it affects desire and libido. So I deal with a lot of issues like that. In terms of men, what do you see mostly? Men, I see performance issues. How do I stay harder? How do I stay um, last longer? <laughs> All of these things, and and I have that exactly that same conversation as I had earlier with you about why is it all about performance necessarily? So um, that's what I deal with with men and with couples. The biggest concern is mismatched libidos. Where one person is all about it and one person is, is not generally not that interested. I mean, how do you reconcile Absolutely. that? Absolutely. So, um, and may I say as well, it's not always uh, one way or the other in terms of it's not always like the male partner that's more interested than the female partner, even though that may stereotypically um, be what most people think. It's actually, I would say in, in my practice, it's about half-half. Like sometimes it's the... It's the women who wanted more than the men. What I would do in terms of managing and, and working with a couple like that is, is really looking at um, what are some of the the stressors or the, or the, the, the blocks in terms of um, desire. So for the lower desire partner, so I... You know, what I do is I actually look, and this is kind of like a holistic assessment of what is blocking their desire. And it could be anything from 
uh, stress at work to physical issues to medication that they're taking, anything. So I take a look at that and we look at how we can manage some of those blocks. Um, and then in terms of, I work with them in t- a lot of times in terms of trying to come up with a system of communication where both partners can reach, you know, some kind of situation or compromise where they're getting their needs met, um, but in different ways. Perhaps there, there might be like a compromise situation that they might have where um, this you know, they, they don't have to, for example, uh, engage in penetrative sex all the time. You know, perhaps it's something where it's uh, a date night where they both um, mutually masturbate next to each other or something like that. So, you know, it goes back to what I was saying about this idea of broadening the definition of what counts as sex, right? So as long as they can have a sexual encounter that is meaningful to them because there's an exchange of, you know, a certain erotic energy or perhaps it's something where they just both maybe watch some porn together or they read some erotica together but as long as they have that connection which is still trying to bridge some of their needs um i try to find solutions like that for them have you ever had somebody that you just you're you're into something that i don't even know what to do with you uh yeah (laughs) i i have um and probably when i was maybe younger uh, and you know what I've always done uh, I've always just gone with it and I've always said okay well but let's try it and <laughs> maybe I was always destined to be a sex educator and coach but now, I was always really curious <laughs> now I gotta ask what was the thing that you're probably thinking of that made you laugh so much um, okay, when I was younger, and again, like this is this is something that is not really that uncommon, but um, I had I was with a partner at the time, uh, a, a new partner I had actually just met over the internet, and he wanted me to um, well have sex with use a strap on on him except that his strap on and 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 i would have been totally fine with that except for the strap on i remember um that he wanted me to use looked like this medieval chastity contraption is all i can say it it just it was metal and it was worn kind of like a girdle around the waist and it had a uh, attachment that was for for me so something that would go into my vagina and then there was a attachment that was for him and at that time I was again much younger and I hadn't really been exposed to this idea of you know what is now we call pegging um but I just went with it but I remember it was just I think what was strange about it was just the contraction that he was using because I remember I was like thinking this looks like a almost like a torture device is it like was it like homemade or something that he bought or what <laughs> I, I'm sure it must have been something that he bought but I mean it felt good for him and maybe that was the first and that was really like the first time that I tried pegging so um 
as I said, I kind of always, even though I thought it was strange um, and it was the first time I did it, I just kind of went along with it because I thought, well, you know, it's just a new experience and new experiences are good for you. Our official position on this podcast is as long as whatever, however you get down is however you get down. Exactly. Yeah. And I've, I've had, you know, other experiences where as well that have been kind of like outside of the conventional. Um, I've done a lot of uh, BDSM as well, where there's a lot of fantasy role play. Um, and actually, I've begun to actually just embrace it. So uh, to the point where I'm like, now when I meet partners, I'm like, surprise me, you know, do something that's just outside the norm because I, I've gotten to the point where I actually enjoy the surprise. And I think this idea of novelty is so key to exploration, right? It's so key to what makes a healthy sex life. Um, and it's so key to what makes things interesting. I remember I had somebody who wanted to do, again, what we call like financial domination, but um, it was uh, it was in Hong Kong, I remember. So in Hong Kong, which is kind of a city which is very known for business, right? So we've got like, you know, one of the biggest stock exchanges in Asia and something like that. So he said to me, I want you to wear a a business suit and I want you to tie me up and um, take all my money and and I want you to go shopping with it and leave me here and come back and show me what you bought and just sort of like lord it over me so I was like there is no downside on this for me <laughs> this is what I did this may be a result of my current family situation but all I can think of is who has the time for that like, you, you must have been gone for an hour or so. I did. I was gone for an hour. Yeah. And he was there on the floor waiting for me to come back. I mean, that's, it's part of, the, it's part of the, the domination, right? Because it's the idea, um, it's the mental part of, of sex, uh, which eroticizes this idea that I am uh, so powerless that, this woman's taken my money and many people um he, he wasn't financed by the way uh, no surprise there yeah. uh, associate associate money with power um and so that's that was like the biggest way i felt he felt that would make him feel powerless uh to a, a strong woman who would just take his money and fritter it away um and actually, this just goes back to what I was saying in terms of this idea of sex as an exchange of erotic energy, right? So when we think about sex less about the genitals, less about penetration, less about an orgasm, but this idea that it's playful, that it's this flow of pleasure, that it's something where, you know, it's mental as much as physical, that really changes the whole way that we do sex. Are you ready for the hard questions? Oh, okay. Yes. You have to yep. rec you have to recommend one position to people for the rest of their lives. They only get that. What's your recommendation? Mm, okay. It is a this is are we talking sex position, right? Yep. 
Okay, the sex position that I would recommend is a is a position from Tantra. It's called the Yab Yum position. So Y A B Y U M, and it is a position where it it's also called the seated lotus position because you're actually seated on your partner and you cross your legs around your partner. So usually, whoever is the I would say, like the lighter partner in weight,、um, sits on the other partner and、uh, wraps their legs around their partner's、uh, waist and crosses them at the back. And then the partners that's sitting at the bottom, who is, tends to usually be like the heavier weight partner, is the partner that sits cross-legged underneath. And I recommend that position because it's one of the most connected and soulful. Positions, I think, in sex. So, you know, it's something that you could do for a very, very long time and feel very, very intimate. And it's not something that will exhaust you necessarily. How about the worst? Okay. How about the worst sex position? Anything involving the splits. You know, one leg up on、um, your partner. In standing or something,、uh, I've seen positions like that, and I look at them and I'm like, "Wow, you kind of had to be a ballerina to do that kind of position." So I took the quiz that's on、uh, that people can find on your Instagram, which we're going to put a link to on this podcast. I got sexually empowered. Is that doing pretty well, or do I need to work on stuff? That's doing really well. Yeah. So the quiz is- The question is, how confident a lover are you? Well,、right? I'm, I'm pretty confident that I probably fudged a little bit of it. Like I, like I've probably <laughs> overestimated my own、uh, abilities and interest. Oh, okay, right. What what animal did you pick? This is telling. I think、did、I got. Do you remember the question? What I, animal are you in the bedroom? I feel like I remember a tiger, but I feel like that can't possibly be right. Okay, well, if you're a tiger, then you definitely you you're gonna hit the top score, which is the sexually empowered score. Yeah, but are you more of a monkey? Is really? Oh no,、is. I was the monkey. I'm sorry, I was the monkey. <laughs> ah, ah, right. Okay, so that would be slightly different score. <laughs> so、but、I.、Yeah. Dang! Is it a worse score or a better score? That, that's always my favorite question. I'm always like, "What animal are you?" <laughs> that's.、Um, But maybe the—I mean—you must have made up with, for it on the rest of your scores. It's actually a super fun quiz,、um, and and the whole point of doing that quiz is this idea that look, no matter where you score in terms of how confident a lover you are, right? Sex is a skill. It's something everybody, at no matter what level they are, can always learn, practice, and get better at it. That's pretty much all the questions I got. What do you have coming up? I mean, where can people find you? When's the podcast come out? Like, if somebody want all that kind of stuff. Oh,、uh, okay. So, my platform is Sarah Sense. So、um, that's kind of my name, S A R A, and then Sense.、Um, and I'm actually currently recording season two of the Better in Bed podcast. So season one is is running on my site, and you can find it on iTunes and Spotify.、Um, And I also write regularly on various forums, so social media, which is Hello Sarah Sense, which 
um, that's how you found me, Nick. Uh, but I also write longer form articles and blogs on my website. And I work one-on-one coaching clients all over the world using Skype. So if anybody wants to work with me, they can also find me via my website or they can also ask me sex questions. This is the other thing that I created as part of my coaching service because I realized through Instagram um, that people just have so many questions they and they're always constantly dming me with questions i got to a point where i just couldn't answer them all um and i was like look if you really want to ask me a sex question you can just email me and i will support you over email um so that's a service as well that's on my site what's the strangest question you've gotten uh, the strangest question. I mean, you know, the, the most common question I get, which is actually not a strange question at all, is somebody will describe something like, oh, I really like being peed on during sex. Is that normal? So they'll describe something which is maybe outside of the ordinary, be like, oh, my, um, my, my penis is, uh, you know, has, some kind of uh, rash on it or something. Is that normal? So it's always some kind of question where they haven't really been able to find it on Google (laughs) necessarily. Um, And then they ask me. Yeah, I feel like the rash one probably needs medical attention. They should should get that taken care of true, true. i mean they they people ask me a lot of of questions that are quite embarrassing as well for them to to ask other people so maybe even questions that they wouldn't feel comfortable asking their friends or asking their you know or even like their doctors or something but yeah but they'll ask me so that was like something that i noticed as well um and it's always and, and actually, some of the questions are totally normal. So some of the questions will be like, oh, um, when, this is a, a, a woman asking this, when I get really excited, sometimes I, I feel the need um, to pee and then this liquid comes out um, and I just need to know what is it and I feel really embarrassed by it. And then I actually tell them, well, that may be squirting, that may be female ejaculation, and that's totally normal. To be fair, most, all of my answers are that it's totally normal um, is one of the main themes of all of my answers because there is no abnormal in sex anyway. You know, there there's such a huge breadth of sexual expression. That everything is normal. It's just that people don't know where to get the answers and to tell them that. I want to thank Sarah so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we've linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Her Instagram is awesome. She's got a great quiz up there that can really kind of help you evaluate where you are in your sex life. And she also has an excellent podcast. It's the Better in Bed podcast, and we have a link to that as well as to her website and her social media accounts on the RSS feed that's in this podcast. Okay, so now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call and find out a little bit about his love life. Hello? Okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself sexually? Uh, you know, 
Let's go ahead and give give, give ourselves a good a good eight. Wow. Are are you playing it up or are you playing it down? I I don't think I think every ma'am I think everyone will play it up. I don't think you'll find one person, uh, man or woman, that would say, "Oh, I'm just terrible." I mean, maybe you would. I don't think you would, though. I would say that I'm adequate at best. I mean, I feel like this is a conversation that I want to ask more questions, but that I don't really want to know the answers. Well, what what are you doing? Like, do you have a move that you go to, or are you just a pump and thrust? <laughs> Listen, uh, I, I weigh two hundred and seventy pounds on a good day. There's no special moves I'm I'm contorting myself into. I can tell you that. Do you think that you'll ever hit the weight where you can only be on the bottom? <laughs> is, is that is that a thing? I've heard of that. I didn't know that that was like a real thing. Well, yeah. If you're like four hundred pounds, I don't see how that's physically possible. I mean, I'm sure there's some lovely ladies out there that just. Like men who lay on top of them like dead whales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it, it doesn't take that much to hold yourself up if you're, you know. It does if you're 400 pounds. Yeah. I mean, that is, a, that is a large person. But, I mean, imagine if one large person is with another large person. I guess it would be kind of a counterbalance. Would you describe yourself as sexually as being aggressive caring tender or experimental you know i i think i think it all determines or it all goes with the situation i think the the older you get you go one of two ways you either become more of the voyeurist or it's just you know i'm happy i can still get it up i just want to get my rocks off kind of thing um, how do you feel about peeing in a car during a road trip? Like not stopping the car and just peeing in a bottle or a cup. Do you do that? <laughs> I actually have a great story. You want, you want me to tell you? No. All right. Fair enough. Yes, you do. Cause it's a fantastic story about that very topic. All right. Let's hear it. it. If it doesn't involve someone getting pee all over them, I'm not really interested. It's all that, that you, I think will appreciate. So, me and my wife, my who was my girlfriend at the time, were driving from Florida to Michigan. I like to drive right through. You know, you stop for gas, maybe food or whatever, but like that's it. I don't, you know, if it's 20 hours, I like to go, you know, the full 20. I don't like to stop to sleep or, you know, and I like to drive. That's good for other drivers on the road. That's good. So uh, I forget where we were. I think if anyone's ever done that I drive, it's like a 17 to 18 hour drive. And I, I think I would just crossed into Georgia from Florida, and I really had to pee, like super bad. I'm like, well, I'm not stopping. So my wife uh, is sitting in the passenger seat, obviously, and I have like a, a Powerade bottle, like the 32-ounce Powerade bottles. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know, th- th- this can't be too hard, right? I mean, my dick's not that big. I can get it in there and pee. It's, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I do that fine, you know. I pee in the bottle; it's good to go. So then you're then you're left with the question of how do I dispose of it? So I had the genius idea to roll down my window, going seventy to eighty miles an hour, <laughs> not throw the bottle out the window, but like <laughs> dumb shit, <laughs> hold the wind, hold the bottle out of the window. Not thinking that all the piss was going to come right back into the car, and it basically gave myself and my 
my wife a golden shower and uh she woke up and at first she was like is it raining outside and i was like oh yeah yeah just go back to sleep it's fine it's fine i rolled down your window to get some fresh air but uh she had kind of put two and two together when she sh- saw like you know half my shorts open and piss everywhere and, <laughs> yeah okay let, let me ask a couple <laughs> follow-up questions number one when you tried to dump out the bottle how did you do it? Did you put your arm to the very back of the window? If I remember right, uh, so I obviously had the window rolled down all the way, and I had my arm just like fully extended, I believe, out the middle of the window. Yeah. And in, in my brain, I thought if I dump it over quick, that's going to cause like a quick reaction, and all, the, all of it's going to just dump right out. And it was literally the opposite because I had peed so much. You know, 32 ounces is a lot to, you know, go out quick. So needless to say, I dropped the bottle and I got pissed all over myself, my wife, and the inside of our car. Can I – so I used to, as part of one of my former jobs, I would have to routinely drive like two and three-hour stretches almost every day. I have a system, a foolproof system for peeing in the car and then getting rid of it. Would you like to hear it? No. Okay, do you, well, let's just move on then. Um, what's your? Uh... <laughs> of course, I want to hear it. Let's let's hear uh, enlighten all of us with your foolproof way. Okay, number one, you've got to have the right preparations. You're going to need a Gatorade or a Powerade bottle. Those are the easiest ones to do. You're going to need some paper towels or some sort of thing to cover. And what you do is, you get your shorts down, you put the towel underneath the area. So you've got a little bit of coverage for the inevitable drippage so it doesn't go on your seats. On your seats, Then you fill up the bottle. You don't want to throw away the bottle necessarily because that's littering. Somehow I'm okay with peeing in the car while driving but not littering. And what you do is, is you hold the thing at the back of the window but make sure you tip it up so that the bottle is above your hand and then it will flow out the back. If you tip it like down then it's going to go onto your own arm. So you've got to hold it at the back of the window, tip it up, and that's how you'll be able to do it. Okay. So as you asked me a couple of follow-up questions, I have a couple for you. One, the first that comes to my mind is, has that ever misfired on you? No. And if so, how, how many times did it take before you created this foolproof plan? I would, I would say there's probably been less than three to five misfires I mean, the only thing, I had a little bit of drippage that got on the seat. I didn't like that. I think that was one misfire. And then I believe that I may have had one where I didn't put it completely at the back corner of the window and got some on the car. Um, are you ready? Do you, do you have your uh, you have your segment? I do. And are, are you excited? Because I have – I finally got a producer and I have some intro music. I don't really want to hear that. I'd rather make some up. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. How, how about I play one, and then you, and then I'll make another one up. No. God damn it. All right. Fine. What? What? What do you want me to make? So I want you. I want time? you to make intro music, but only use pieces of wood around you. You can only knock on wood. Can't be any other material aside from wood. <laughs> oh man. You do realize sometimes I'm limited by things, right? Intelligence. Listen, I didn't get an IQ of 46 for nothing. What do you think a dog's IQ is? Well, I don't think you can accurately tell what a dog's IQ is. 
Actually, I take that back. They probably do. They probably have IQ tests for fucking mice, for God's sakes. Just take a wild guess. What do you think a dog's IQ would be? Probably somewhere around 100. That's the average person's IQ. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I think for the most part, they have, hu- you know, human instincts and they're, you know, a dog can't do math. Like, Dogs can't do math. I mean, how do we fucking know? You have a dog, I tell you, right? My dog can do math because he knows how long it is till I get home for him to get in the fucking garbage and eat all the food. That's not math. That's actually a side effect of their enhanced sense of smell. I can explain the whole system to you if you'd like. No, I'd rather just bang my head against this wood cabinet and, and get on with my life. Only the right side of your head, though. Protect all the right, left fine. one. Here it is. Okay. That is not wood. You are not banging your head against wood. That's not wood. It is wood. It's a wood cabinet in my basement. Hit it again. You're going to tell me that's wood? Yeah, but there's there's it's holding glasses, so that's what the, the, the bell is. Why don't I hear the glasses rattling then? You're going to tell me the wood makes a sound and the glasses don't? Listen, I mean, I'm the idiot that's, that's doing it here. You can choose to believe me or not. Just tell really me if you're care. lying. Just tell me if that's actually wood. I'm not lying to you. That is wood. Then why aren't the glasses making a sound? They are. Let me hear it again. <laughs> okay. I mean, I hit it a little harder that time. It's not oh. a very good beat either. You're just pounding on it. Oh, because you frustrate me. Okay. Well, let's move on. Anyways, so let's start off with an easy one here. And I, I already know the answer to, to the first question. Then why are you asking I it? Because I, I want you to surprise me. But you already know the answer. Because I, 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 I'm hoping that maybe you'll surprise me. If not, then you're just going to fail me like normal. Okay. Seinfeld or Friends? Seinfeld. That's easy. Oh, all right. Well, look at See? I, I would have gone Friends, but that's fine. I've never found Friends to be entertaining or funny. I really haven't. Uh, I mean, it's it's fine for what it was. I haven't. I haven't seen all of Seinfeld. I have seen all of Friends, so uh, just once. What'd you just do? Um, I moved a uh, a, like a couple of dice off of a table. What? Why? Can you hear that? Yeah. Man, you you do got good ears. What are you going? You going part? You going Yahtzee or what are you doing? Are you a Yahtzee man? I am not a Yahtzee guy. No, I. I, I do I do do some cards and dice, but it's it's nothing that anyone's ever heard of, so it's fine. No click clack. I don't even know what click clack is. Is that even a real thing? How are you from Detroit and don't know what click clack is? Uh, I mean, uh, if you're if you if you're going where I think you're going with this, that's a that's a terrible joke. <laughs> okay, I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what that means, but let's just move on. Look up click clack. Would you rather be the guy in the gym that? Goes to bench press too much and has the weight fall on his chest. You asked this question last week. I did not ask you this question. Yes, last you did. Week. Or would you rather do something like and hurt your leg? It wasn't last week though, and it was a different variation of it because I ran into it this week. Because I am back in the gym now. So basically, you said this whole thing back around, even though you said the exact same question last week, just to mention that you're on the you're going back to the gym, which is going to last four days and not accomplish anything. Listen, first off, I, I I was bringing it up so so I could gloat a little bit. Secondly, I don't believe it was last week. It was way. last week, but either way, so you know we've talked about it before. Why would you bring it up again? 
because I just wanted to set you up. But look at now we're talking about it. Anyways, last one. Would you rather get mauled by a tiger or eaten alive by fire ants? Oh, tiger. Tiger ants is fast. Come on, man. That's a ridiculous question. Uh, see, I'm not, I'm not you too want, sure. I don't know. You want to go with fire ants? That's going to be a slow, painful death. I wonder, like, would they actually be able to eat me? I'm such a large mass. Well, they wouldn't eat you. They would just sting you until you died. That... I've been bitten by fire ants. It's incredibly painful. Of course you have. Yeah, I was standing in one of their mounds. So. Because <laughs> that's what I like to do sexually. <laughs> you know, you know, I never really asked you, like, do you have a go-to move? No. You, you definitely seem like the, the jackrabbit kind of guy, that's for sure. No, I'm not. I'm more of a slow. I like to let it slow burn it. You like you like to light candles and things and, and really get her in the mood? No, no, but I'm just saying that for people who've been married for a while, they'll understand this. Sometimes, you, at one point, you just develop the combination to the safe. <laughs> that is very true. I'm, I'm still searching for my wife's, but... Uh, she assures me that somebody has it. I don't know what that means, but, you know, she, she tells me not to worry about it. She has it handled, so I just sit there and, and play my Pokemon. No big deal. I, you know, that's a, that's, a good, I, that's a good question I want to ask you. Okay. How do you feel about esports and the fact that colleges now and some high schools, I think, have, like, esport leagues? Are you fine with it? Yeah, totally fine with it. Why would you have okay. a problem with it? It's, it's not that I have a problem with it because, you know, I mean, it's great that kids are doing something. However, I mean, is it really a sport playing video games? It's not any less of a sport than NASCAR. Not any that's, less of a sport than horse racing. untrue. What are you doing? What's the difference between NASCAR and a video game? I mean, there's all there's for one, there's the natural element of being outside in a, in a in a vehicle, like having to to steer for five hundred miles. Okay, so if you just had somebody that was doing esports and they moved the thing outside, how is that any different? I understand what you're saying, and it's I guess it's a valid I don't want to say argument. It's a valid point, but it's I don't think it's comparable. Not not in not in any means. I mean, I know I'm wrong here, but I feel like on a hot day, the average NASCAR driver loses ten to twenty pounds. And sweat alone. So, from I mean, I, well, we're just talking about them being athletes. Like, how's that an athlete? I, You're just sweating. You you have to be you have to be, you know, n- nourished and 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 you have to be capable of handling things like that. Okay, I don't understand how NASCAR is any different than esports. <sighs> you have no explanation. I just gave you an explanation. Esports, I can, it's hot I can outside. literally... Your I, explanation was that it's hot outside. No. It's, it's the real thing against something that is computer-based. All right. Are you ready for your next segment? Let's hear this music that you've got. Yes. All right. I hope it comes through good because I'm trying something out here. But uh, uh, here it goes. First of all, it comes through well. Well, number one, that's copyrighted music, so we can't use it. You can't just play something that somebody else owns and pass it off as yours. Sure we can. We we, we, spot, we say Long John Silvers every episode. What does Rocky music have to do with Long John Silvers? 
Because Long John Silver's is a copyrighted uh, uh, franchise name. You can't and copyright every, words. Every episode. We're not saying we're not necessarily saying the name of that. We're just saying the words Long John and Silver's right next to each other. That's copyrighted music. You can't do that. Also, that's the best you could come up with is just playing the Rocky music. Listen, all, all that I care about is that whole entire song. There's literally only 13 words that are said. Is that it? That's it. Okay, sing them. Trying hard now. It's so getting strong. Coming. <laughs> getting. Gonna fly. Flying high. And that's it. Are you sure that's 13? No, it could be it could be less. I really just guessed, but Well, if you had them all, why don't you just count them right now? Because no one wants to listen to me count. Okay, well, say it again, and I'll count him. Trying hard now. It's so getting strong, coming, uh, let's see, gonna fly, and that's it. That's 10. Oh, and then flying. I forgot flying. That's 11. And high. So 12. So 12. So you were close, but still can't do math. Close, <laughs> close. but also wrong. All right, let's hear it. Let's get this moving. All right, uh, so let's see. We're not going to talk about the Facebook poll because you set me up to fail, and it was a uh, it was terrible. You kind of did it again this week. It's fine. How Whatever. I, I don't know why you're getting that. For people who don't know, what I did was repeat and put on the poll exactly what John said. We we said top five desserts, right? Yeah. So I listed the top five desserts, and then we 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 added like which ones we preferred. Yeah. That doesn't mean that, like, I think that cherry ice cream is number one. Like, ice cream is number one. My my preferential kind of ice cream or, or whatever is cherry. That's not, like, that's not my number one. Okay, so let, let me just break this down to make sure I understand this correctly. Your favorite dessert is ice cream. Yes. Your favorite kind of ice cream is cherry ice cream. It's Yes, it's my favorite kind. Okay, so then your number one is cherry ice cream. Your favorite kind of ice cream is cherry ice cream. I don't see how that is not correct in any way. It's it's not correct based upon we listed the top five desserts like that we thought. I wasn't listing John's top five desserts. I was listing like what I thought are the top five desserts without my personal bias. Mm, okay, sure. Uh, what, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh I thought this one was interesting. Um, on Friday, we asked, uh, or last Friday, we asked on our Twitter account, uh, Profoundly Pointless Twitter account, if you haven't been there. Uh, it's Friday, and you have to pick a movie to watch with your date tonight. Uh, and the choices were Armageddon, Eddie, Hope Floats, or Forces of Nature. My big, I saw that post, and my big concern about it is why would you choose those four movies? Was that like the only terrible? Was that the only four movies in the bargain bin? <laughs> I was very surprised, though, if I'm not mistaken. I think Eddie and Armageddon were neck and neck, and I'm surprised that anyone's even heard of Eddie outside of myself. If I had to choose between those four choices and staring at the wall, I would stare at the wall. <laughs> and I don't. I don't think you'd be, uh, you know, mistaken on that. I think a lot of people would join you. Yeah, that's a better option, really. Uh, another one which was which got almost 500 votes, which is awkward to me, is uh, it, say you're at a Chinese buffet. Uh, buffet, do you try the chicken feet? No. Um, 
78% said no. There was 22% of our uh, listeners that said yes. I'm a little bit concerned that people are commenting and interacting with your polls so much because they're just shocked at the stupidity of them. <laughs> well, I mean... Like, do you want free money? Yes, no. Nick, I think you're forgetting the title of the podcast. It's supposed to be an intellectual discussion about life's real issues and how they affect us on a day-to-day basis, such as, is sour cream better than mayonnaise? I think it is, actually. I think sour cream is better than mayonnaise. Ooh, that's a... See, that's a good one. That'll have to, that'll have to be asked. I, I think it all depends on what kind of mayonnaise. Let's move on. <laughs> all right, let's move on to our top five, because I know you're going to bash the shit out of my list, and I'm ready for it. This is a little bit of a difficult list. I think there's some ones that clearly stand out, though, at the top. This is top five movie franchises of all time. And quite frankly, if The Fast and the Furious is on there in any way, that's ridiculous. And you should immediately scrap that list. I, I, I did not put it on there, though. I, uh, Once again, on my personal list, it would have been. But in terms of the greatest ever, uh, if I'm being real, uh, no, they're not. Okay, what's your number five? All right, so number five, I'm going with the uh, the James Bond series. I thought about that, man. I th- it didn't make my list, but I thought about it real hard. Like, hmm, that's pretty hard to leave off of the top five. Uh, I mean, there's been so many iconic ones, especially lately. Um, I think there's been like 26 movies or something I was reading. Like, it just, I mean, it, plus it doesn't get a whole lot cooler than James Bond. I'm sorry. Like, it just doesn't. I've never really enjoyed any of them. They've all been serviceable movies, but it was hard for me to leave it off the top five. I wouldn't have much of an issue if somebody put it as high as number three, though. Yeah, I, I could see it maybe getting a three spot. I wouldn't put it in the top two, but, uh, you know, top top three maybe. My number five is Rocky movies. Okay, surprisingly enough, I actually left those off my list. I think you had to put them on there because now there's, what, five of them and then the Creed movies? I think that I think they warrant it. Well, and I, I think it, for the box office numbers, they actually put all of them together: the Creed movies and the Rocky movies. Yeah, so, that's it's a movie franchise, right? Well, you said the Rocky and the Creed. I was just making sure that everyone knew that they are all together. Okay, you didn't okay. specify. Okay, sure. I mean, most people would know that, but anyway, let's go to number four. Nick, you're so smart. How do I become as smart as you someday? Read. Alright, uh, I have, uh, and I hate putting this on there, but I felt like I had to, uh, Harry Potter. That's my number four, too! <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow, it sounded like you got way too excited there. Um, I did, I popped, popped semi-wood. Oh boy, that's awkward. Um, yeah, I don't know, like I said, I'm not the biggest fan of them, but uh, obviously they're doing something right, because I believe they've grossed almost, like, ten trillion dollars worldwide or something, so... I scratched out Lord of the Rings and put Harry Potter in at number four just because there's there's more Harry Potter movies, and I think that people are more familiar with it. Not by much. I actually think the Lord of the Rings movies are better, but I think that just because of the numbers, Harry Potter's going to keep going, right? Like, Lord of the Rings is done. I could have really done without Orlando Bloom and the Lord of the Rings, but, you know, it is what it is. Why do you have a problem with Orlando Bloom? I just, I've never really liked him, you know? Him personally or, like, the characters he plays? The characters he plays. He always plays, like, the whiny little bitch characters. How do you feel about him personally? I don't know him personally. He'd probably beat my ass in real life. Yeah, he might. I don't know. He's one of those that, you like, you could go either way. Like, he might be able to rock <laughs> your shit, and you might just level him. What's your number three? Uh, number 
have the Marvel Universe. Okay. That- so, I mean, everything from Iron Man to Guardians of the Galaxy to, uh, you know, Avengers to, uh, you know, even the new Spider-Mans. I don't know. There's like 30 movies, but, I mean, they're, they're pretty iconic, especially, like, each character that has their own, like, spinoff movie. Uh, they're usually all pretty good. That's one of those that I'm. I actually have that as my number two. I put it a little bit higher, just because it's going to keep going. I think it's really hard to make an argument that because there's so many of those movies. And if you look at how many of those movies they have compared to how many movies James Bond has, they've out earned them by a ridiculous amount, right? Like they're making sure. billions and billions, and Bond is not that great. My uh, my number three though is Batman. Okay, I, I knew you were going to have that somewhere. I, I thought so. When you say Batman, are you are you including? Because I, I believe they count the Dark Knight trilogy as separate. But are you in, encompassing all that under Batman? I would put it all under. I think the Dark Knight trilogy is strong enough, and then you can't discount like the original Batman, right? I mean, some of okay. those movies were garbage, but it's hard to get rid of it for sure. Um, so my number two, I have a tie. Uh, Star Trek. And the X Men universe. What? I I don't under, I don't understand why the why the what. Star Trek I can understand, but the X Men universe there wasn't a single good movie from that. Well, I mean I, I'm including like Deadpool, Logan. The X Men's were okay or were okay. They were good and so like they got on like number six. Yeah, I don't know. I mean I if not number two, I mean they're definitely top three for me, and they just happen to fall in at number two. Keep bear in mind, this is a person who one of their favorite superheroes is Blade. Listen, you can, you can hate all you want. You can hate all you want. What's your number one? I think there's. I think when it comes down to it, there's only really number one. Yeah, and I I, I didn't wa- I don't want to say this, but I will. Um, and don't hate me for it. But I had to go with the Mummy franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Brendan Fraser's <laughs> badass. That's a guy that, like, I never understood why he didn't get more work. Like, what happened to Brendan Fraser? Why didn't people like him? (laughs) Have you ever even seen Encino Man? (laughs) No, actually, I haven't. Maybe that's (laughs) why, maybe that's why Brendan Fraser disappeared. No, my number one is probably what your number one is, and it's uh, Star Wars. Yeah, I don't think that's even an argument. I mean, in terms of, like, cultural standpoint and significance, I don't think you can even, you really can't make any argument that Star Wars isn't the number one movie franchise. I mean, can we at least agree upon one thing with this is that I don't think any other franchise has taken more no-name actors and turned them into stars than the Star Wars franchise has. Okay, you have to have passionate love with one Star Wars character. You get Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Chewbacca, or R2-D2. Who are you going with? Oh, man, that's tough. Now, let's, let's, let's change that because I think that Harrison Ford's a beautiful man. You have to have passionate love. You're going Chewbacca, R two D two, Jabba the Hutt. Oh man! <laughs> uh, I guess give me the Wookie. Yeah, I don't know. What's... I mean, Jabba the Hutt would just not be enjoyable by any means, and R two D two. Well, I'm just not into that kind of thing. Robot sex. Everybody <laughs> yeah. in the future, we're we're ten years away from nonstop robot sex. You know that, right? Like ten years. It's just going to be robot sex and nothing else. I want I want this to go down forever as me saying this. That if if I'm alive to see see the point where humans are having more sex with robots than we are with each other, 
I will drive a semi truck into a, a crowd of people. I don't know how to feel about that. I kind of feel like I should call the police. <laughs> Why do you have I mean, to hurt everybody else? <laughs> I I say that. Also, that's not, not going to stop the robot say. No, I, I mean, that would just mean that's how far our society would have fallen is that we stopped all personal communication with one another, but yeah, we'll fuck robots. Yeah, I've, I'm pretty sure that's coming. I'm pretty sure it's coming fast, too. Well, speaking of, I better go plug mine in and make sure she's ready for tonight. What's in your honorable mention? <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, let me walk back over to my list. For some reason, I stood up there, uh, and I'm not really sure why. Um, so I put on Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> I mean, they're good. they're good, fun movies. One of them was good. There, there's some good. There's some good ones. The first one was obviously the best, but yeah, yeah. Karen Knightley is pretty hot, so it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. If you're listening, love you. Um, I mean, Lord of the Rings, obviously. Indiana Jones, uh, Fast and the Furious. I'm gonna give some love to. Uh, you know, then like like you said, the Batman. I, I have a couple of like lighter ones, like Toy Story and Shrek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. And then uh, you know, and then just. Just, you know, like Terminator, which is just a personal preference. What about you? Uh, so I have Twilight. Oh, God. Okay, we're done. Just <laughs> cut it off. No, I don't have Twilight. The last movie's ruined it. Okay, let's go ahead and bring this in. And finally, mercy kill this episode of the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance to like download subscribe share we really appreciate it it really helps us out we love getting comments from you guys i've said this before i'll say it again the more and more comments that we get and the more feedback that we get from you guys it just i think it just makes the show better so if you've been listening to us for a while and you think the show is getting better no it's just because of that and not because of anything that john and i have done we deserve no credit whatsoever Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.